Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Wisdom, and uh, he's a powerful man of God. And at this point, let's give a round of applause and ask Darren to come up and speak to us. Thank you, Mark. Well, it's great to be back. I am glad to be here. I will not be speaking about ships today, although I do love man of war ships. My wife bought me one when we, I think it was our first year of marriage uh, because she knew I loved those ships. So she bought me one of these kits, you know, with like a thousand pieces in it. It actually comes with a, a log, basically, you got to carve out and hone and all that. Kind of, it's still sitting in the box. I, I spent about six months, got about halfway through. Um, this morning, uh, it's a joy to be here because I believe that God is a God of providence. He's a God who sovereignly ordains the days of our lives, He ordains our steps. I believe that. I believe that our God is the one who has the pen in his hand and he is writing our story. And when we flow with him in him writing our story, it results in a beautiful novel. And so this morning I want to speak about the God of providence. I want to speak about um, God moving in our lives because I believe that in this room today, I believe there are people sitting here and in your heart you possess a desire in your heart, a, a, a conviction in your heart that God has called you to do some great thing. You might not know what it is, but you believe that he's called you to do something great. You see, every person in whom the Spirit of God lives has within them the seeds of greatness because God lives in them. And God does great things through ordinary people. If you're sitting here today and you feel sub-ordinary, then you are the perfect candidate to be used by God. Because that's the kind of people he uses. He takes us and, and with his precious son, he purchases pearl of great price. Because he looks at us and, and we on the outside look at ourselves and we might not think so hot of ourselves, but God looks at us and he sees a pearl of great price. And within us, he births within us a destiny, a, a purpose, a vision for our lives of greatness. I was reminded recently of a man, actually I heard the story recently of a man named A.W. Milne. He was a young man in England, lived in the uh, 19th century. He heard about these islands called the Hebridean Islands. Anyone ever heard of the Hebridean Islands? I had not until I heard the story. Hebridean Islands, it's because it's in the South Pacific. It's on the other side of the world. It's, you have to travel forever to get there to these islands. But he heard about these islands and God birthed in his heart a desire to bring the gospel to these islands. And so he announced it to his family. He says, I'm going to the Hebridean Islands. I'm going to preach the gospel and bring the kingdom. And they said, are you crazy? All of his friends gathered around. They said, don't you know that headhunters have killed every missionary who has gone there? You're going to die. To which he replied, I died the day I said yes to Christ. And with that, he took all of his belongings, put it in a coffin. That was his suitcase. He said, I won't be coming back. See you all later. And he got on a ship. Went to the, I guess I am talking about ships. Look at that. <laughs> he set sail. He sailed to the other side of the world, landed in the Hebridean Islands. When he landed, he began to preach the gospel. Amazingly, 
People received it. God did a great work. 35 years later, he died. Having won the islands to Christ. When they buried him, on his tombstone, it read this. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. I love stories like that. I love stories where it is overwhelming odds and yet God comes through. It's like the David and Goliath story, except for over the 19th century. But you know God's working in the 21st century? My son Jonathan and I last night had the privilege to meet a man, hear, hear his story. This guy's name is Ben Cooley. Ten years ago, Ben Cooley was wearing tights and singing opera on a stage in London. Ten years ago. Ten years later, God is setting thousands free through him. You know why? Because he, one night he walked out of his performance, I guess, and he heard the story of several girls who had been kidnapped and sold into the sex slave trade. And he thought about his own girls, and he thought, wow, if those were my girls, man, I would do everything to get them back. And just then, God spoke to him. And said, why wouldn't you do it for someone else's girls? And just then, God birthed in his heart a dream to see modern-day slavery wiped out. Because there are, I believe if I had this right, he mentioned last night, 21 million women and girls living in modern-day slavery right now throughout the world. What can a man in tights singing opera in London do about that? You know, I won't tell you a story. It takes too much time. But you know, within 10 years, God has hooked him up with some of the most famous people in the world. He started a ministry, has 30 offices in a dozen nations. They've rescued hundreds and hundreds of girls. They have trained thousands of law enforcement agents to recognize people who are in slavery. And they have hundreds of thousands of employees in some of the largest corporations in America now educated about what's going on so that they can keep their eye out so that if it's happening in their place of work. And he, unashamedly, this 40-year-old man, he actually believes that in his lifetime they will see modern-day slavery eradicated. Is he crazy? How can you believe that? That's impossible. We're but men and women. How can we do that kind of stuff? Do you know that there is a God who lives inside of us, who sees us as pearls of great price, and he sees his son as the pearl of great price, who is within us, and he sees such potential in us.
that within us, he births dreams that seem impossible. I don't know about you, but as God has birthed things in my heart at different times, at the first, I, I say, whoa, that's awesome. And then at the second, I back up and I'm like, not me. That's way beyond me. I don't have the ability. I don't have the resource. I don't have the connections. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the degree. Maybe I'm not the right age for it. But God sees great things for us to accomplish. And God in this day is endeavoring to raise up a community of men and women who will believe this. And who will say, yes, Lord. Use me. He is endeavoring to raise up a generation of men and women who see the greatness of God on his throne and the power that lies within that throne and the power that he has deposited into us by his powerful Holy Spirit. The power that he has given us and the authority at the use of his name, Jesus. The wisdom that is at our disposal in the ever-living word of God. You know, the generation that believes that, the generation that understands the power that is that God has put within us and sees and understands God's purpose for his world and the discipling of the nations, the generation that knows their identity as royal sons and daughters of the great king, that generation that is totally self-surrendered and sold out to God, that generation of people who will stand up and say, God, not for my glory, not for my name, not for my kingdom, not by my power, but for your name and your glory and by your power for your kingdom, God, I sign up. And he is raising up a generation. And the generation that stands up, united together and says, we'll follow our king that way. That generation will see the nations one to Christ in one generation. You know, I don't know if you say hallelujah in this church, but that'd be a good time to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God is doing that. In Isaiah 65, Isaiah asks this rhetorical question, can a nation be born in a day? And of course the answer is yes. God can win a nation to Christ. He can win Hebridean Islands that are filled with headhunters in one generation. Of course he can do that. As I was thinking about this coming here when Tom spoke with me some time back. I had a word on my heart that I've been mulling on. About a week, a week ago, the Lord had me set that one aside because he, had, he put this on my heart. That there is within this room men and women who have seeds of greatness in your heart. But at this present time, you don't see it. And at this present time, you say, God, I know you've birthed this in my heart. I do see that, but God, why isn't it happening? How, how can I be in this situation? How can I get from here to there? And you feel like things are warring against you. You feel like people might be getting in your way. You feel like you don't have the resource. Maybe there were some here, and because of your past, you think, well, my day came and went, and I missed it. But I believe God sent me here providentially today to speak about his providence. That's a big word. 
I learned this in 1994, sitting in a room just like this. I was sitting on the back row. A man who was a very dry teacher, when he got up to speak, I thought, oh, Lord, how long is this going to take? I hope no one thought that today when I got up. If you did, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I see I have 23 minutes and 24 seconds left, so bear with me. But this man got up, and he, he said, I'm going to teach on the providence of God. And I thought, oh, Lord, here we go. This sounds like a drying theological term. But as he began to explain providence, man, my heart burst within me. Because I realized the greatness of the God that we serve, he moves everything to accomplish the very will that he is after. And he can overcome the most impossible of situations. We serve a God who is sovereign and who works providentially in our lives. And that's what I want to speak about this morning through the life of a young man named Joseph. If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 37. It should be up on the screen here in a minute. Genesis chapter 37. This is a long story. It goes from Genesis 37 till the end of Genesis chapter 50. So I'm just going to summarize this story. But first we will read verses 7 through 11. We have it up there? Excellent. Genesis 37, 7 to 10. And this is Joseph, young man, 17 years old. He's in a house. He has 11 older brothers. If you're a younger brother, you know what that's like. And he has a dream, and he comes to his brothers because he just knew that his brothers would rejoice with him in this, story, in this dream he had. So this is what he said. He said, behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then he dreamed another dream. And he told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow, down, to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Father, we believe that you are a God of providence. We believe that you're a great God and that you live in us. God, I believe that you have called many of us in this room to do great things in our lives. And Father, I pray that in these next few minutes that you would you would cause your faith to rise up in our hearts, Lord. A faith, Lord, that enables us to climb the mountains, Lord. To, to go through the deserts. To accomplish that which you have called us to. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take everything out of my notes that you don't want. And that you would move through me in accordance with your will. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Joseph was a young man. He was an immature man. Are there any... Really young and really mature men in this room? Probably not. Usually youth and immaturity goes together, right? And so he boasts to his brothers, you guys are going to love this story. Check this out. You're all bowing down to me. And of course they hated him. And they took him and they sold him into slavery. He was carried into a home where uh, he was put in charge of management. I I'm not sure how this took place, but, but, you know, just thinking about it, meditating. I wonder if, you know, one night, Joseph was there as a 17-year-old man in Potiphar's house, and the dishes needed cleaning, and, 
So they put him in charge of cleaning the dishes. And he cleaned the dishes. And when he was done, Potiphar walked in and the whole china cabinet was in order. And things had been moved around. But it, it all made sense. And, and everything just felt peaceful. So maybe he put Potiphar in charge of the servants in the house. And, and Potiphar comes home a few days later. And man, now... All the servants are like doing everything with excellence and the whole house is clean and, and they're whistling while they're working and, and they're happy and man, what is up with this young man? And so he, he puts them in charge of his fields and, and all of a sudden Joseph is out there teaching them about row cropping and, and, and all of a sudden there's the, the, the harvest is just a bumper crop. And Potiphar looks at it and he's like, man. And you know, the, the, Potiphar makes an interesting statement about Joseph. It says, he saw that the hand of God was upon him. And so he put him in charge of everything. Some time goes by and Potiphar's wife begins trying to seduce him day after day. She's seducing him, trying to get him to be unfaithful. Eventually one day he runs out of the house. She rips his robe off of him as he's running out. Potiphar comes home and she says, you're your slave, that, that Hebrew, he tried to rape me. Potiphar raged with anger. Interesting, Potiphar didn't put him to death, you know, because that's normally what you would do in a situation like that. No, he saw the hand of God on this guy and he thought, you know what, I at least want to get some mileage out of this gift. And so since he was the head of the guard, he took him over and he put him in charge of the prison. And I can just imagine this whole prison began to hum with the peace of God. He put him in charge. And there he was for years in this prison. You know, their prisons were not like our penitentiaries, our prison system. You know, I, I've never been to Egypt and been in a dungeon, but I've been in some in, in England, and you go down deep steps, like 30 feet into the earth, and, and it's cold and dark and damp and musty. The ceilings are low. He lived there for years in that situation, and he was blessing people around him. And one day, these two guys have dreams. He translates the dreams, interprets the dreams. The dreams come true, and he says one thing to them. He says, hey, listen. This is going to come true in three days. When it does, just please mention me to Pharaoh. You know what that tells me? That tells me that after all these years, he still has not let go of the seeds of greatness. I mean, what hope does a Hebrew slave who's in a dungeon have before Pharaoh of Egypt? He has no hope. But Joseph thought he had hope. Because he knew that he served a God of providence. A God who can take the worst situations and the worst things that happen and bring about his purposes. And so he said, hey, when you come before Pharaoh, remember me. Just, just tell, him, tell him about me. They didn't. They forgot. And he stayed there longer. Until one day Pharaoh had dreams. And Pharaoh was telling all the wise people they couldn't figure it out. And the cupbearer said, hey, there's this one guy, this young guy, he's a Hebrew, he's, he's down in the dungeon. Dude, he, he told me exactly what my dream meant and it came about. So Pharaoh calls him, he comes before Pharaoh. It's interesting, Pharaoh says this to him. I heard that you can interpret dreams. You know what he says? I cannot. I cannot. But the God I serve can. That shows me that something had happened in this young, arrogant, immature young man's life during those 13 years of slavery and in prison. What had happened is he had gained humility and wisdom, realizing that it wasn't his own ability that could do anything. 
that it was either by the hand of God or it would not happen. Well, of course, Pharaoh tells him the dream. He interprets it very wisely. Pharaoh says, what should we do? And he says, well, if I were you, I would find a young man within whom there is wisdom and understanding and who has knowledge and I'd put him in charge of gathering all the stuff for seven years, all of the good crops and then, and then putting it in a storehouse because then there's going to be seven years of famine and during those years of famine, he can give it out and that way you'll preserve your nation. And Pharaoh said, aha, I like you. You're in charge. And he put him in charge. It's interesting that the promise of God did come about. And this is what I wanted to point out to us. This is one of the things I, I take away from that story that I took away from my own life many years ago. And it has helped me through many a time when I have known that God has called me to do something and yet my present situation doesn't seem to line up with it. I learned something from this story back in 1994. And I want to share it with you. And it is this. Joseph three times suffered at the hands of others. Three times. During, from, from the moment he had the vision to the moment he actually comes to power, during this journey, at least three times he suffered at the hands of others. One time, it was through betrayal, betrayed by his brothers. One time, he was falsely accused by the people that he was serving. And one time, he was simply forgotten by those that he had helped. Does anyone here in this room ever feel that way? You find yourself somewhere on the journey. I, I heard Ben Cooley say this last night, and I thought it was so, so true. He said, you know, in the journey of life, the danger is never at the beginning when God tells you to do something, and it's never at the end when you actually accomplish what God tells you to do. The danger is always in the middle. <laughs> when you get in the middle, and somewhere along the journey, someone betrays you. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever worked alongside people? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a knife in the side. And you think, where did that come from? Has that ever happened? Have you ever been in a situation where you are serving people? You are loving people? You are giving them their, your best? You sense God's pleasure in your service? You see the fruit of what God is doing? And all of a sudden, they betray you? They falsely accuse you? I've had that. I have laid my life down before for a community of people only to have my name slandered in the front of a group. And I, and I had no chance to defend myself. And I thought, huh, how does that happen? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself in a situation? You've just been helping people. And you just wanted to be a blessing. And you're forgotten. You ever feel like God's called you to something great? And you think, you know, I could get there if only the people here would remember or acknowledge what I'm doing. But they all forget me. And they're moving on. This is what I learned years ago from that. That Joseph, one time, was the guilty member. He got himself into the situation the first time because he was foolish, right? He got himself thrown down into the pit. You guys know the story, right? Like he told the vision he boasted about it. So his brothers took him and they threw him down in a pit. And they said, hey, let's get some money out of this. So they sold him into slavery. And he was carried to Potiphar's house in Egypt in slavery where he was a slave for years. And then, and then Potiphar's wife made a false accusation about him and he was thrown into prison. You know that story, right? 
Well, once in his life, it was because of his own stupidity. It was his foolishness, boasting. Once, it was because someone else actively went after him to bring him down. And once, when the guys forgot him, the, the, the baker and the cupbearer, when he told them their visions and they forgot about him, I would just scratch it up to, you know, life happens. Things happen. It wasn't his stupidity. It wasn't someone else trying to do him wrong. It's just, you're going through life and, man, stuff happens. Something hits you out of the blue and you didn't see that coming and it's not really your fault, their fault. It just, life happens. Yeah? What I learned from that is this. That our own foolishness, our own failures in the past cannot thwart the purposes of God in the life of the man or woman of God who was walking with him. It cannot. My own stupidity in my past cannot short circuit God's purpose for my life. The wrongdoing of others who are, who are viciously coming at me cannot stop the purposes of God that he has for my life. And even that stuff that happens in life that's just, it just happens. It cannot thwart the purposes that God has for your life. There is nothing that can stop the purposes of God that he has planned for the man or woman of God. There is nothing that can stop it if we will just walk with God. And that helped me because there have been seasons in my life where I knew God called me to that, but I feel like I'm walking through a desert time. I knew that God had called me to do something great for him. What I, I did not know, but, but something of greatness. And in 2010, after having been a pastor for 14 years, I found myself not pastoring. And it's weird. You know, when you've been leading the church and you're up front every Sunday and you're preaching every Sunday and all of a sudden you're not the pastor, you're not an elder, you're not a leader. I'm just Darren. That's weird. And that continued for years. And I thought, God, I know you've put this in here, but where I presently find myself seems so far from what you've called me to do. I see no way of fulfilling the seeds of greatness that I know you've put in my heart. And yet God has a way that he, by his providence, can get us from there to there, and there is no one who can stop God. No one. That's the story of Moses and Joshua, right? Joshua, yeah. Joshua, yeah, he's serving Moses. He wanted to go into the promised land. He got there, and all of his brothers failed him. They all said, ah, it's too big, it's too great, we're not going in. Did it delay? Yeah, it delayed them 40 years wandering in a desert. Sometimes when people hurt us or betray us, our own stupidity in the past, can it cause pain? Yeah, it can cause pain. Can it delay? Yeah, it can delay. Can it thwart? It can never thwart. It can never stop. It can never nullify the purposes of God in our life. Amen. It cannot. Because God's a big God. And nothing can stop him from bringing about what he once brought about. Joseph did become the ruler. It didn't happen the way he thought. I, I'm, sh I'm sure when he had these visions, he thought that somehow he was going to inherit his dad's land and his dad's property, and they're all going to bow down to him. Something like that, right? God fulfilled it in a completely different way. And that's what I found in my life. That when God 
calls us to something. He rarely fulfills it along the path of what we would have picked. Rarely does he. So if you find yourself today and, and you, you sense God's called you to something great, maybe you're not sure what it is. You just, you sense greatness in your heart. You sense that God wants to do something great. You're not exactly sure what it is or maybe you do know what it is, but you presently find yourself in a situation that seems so small compared to what's in your heart. I just want to say to you, be at peace. God, the sovereign God, the God of providence will bring it about. He will. He always does. Paul understood this. Paul understood that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And God did that in Joseph's life. Check this out. In Genesis 45, I don't know if we have that up there. Genesis 45, yeah, check this out. This was Joseph's take on his own life. Okay, he's had a 13-year hellish life since the age of 17. He has went through some bad stuff. And, at, and then he ruled for a, season, for a period of time. And this is what he says about those 13 years. He says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. What an amazing take on his own foolishness, an amazing take on others actively pursuing to keep him down, and all of that garbage stuff that happens in life. What an amazing take on it. He said, it wasn't you. Yeah, yeah, you, you sold me into slavery. You meant to harm me. You really wanted to stick it to me. But it was actually God. God sent me here. And I, that's a key that I found in life. To view every thing that happens. Uh, I view everything in my life that happens in my life. I look at it and I say, well, somehow God is going to use this to bring about his purposes. Somehow, at some point in my life, and it may be on the other side of eternity, but I will look back and I'll say, wow, that was good. God used that painful thing, that sorrowful thing, and somehow he turned it for my good and for his glory. The world has a statement for that. You know, they call it, uh, some people see the glass half full, some see it half empty. How do you view your, your present circumstances? Is your glass half full? Is it like, man, poor me, poor my, I don't have enough. Life is so hard. Everybody's against me. If only a few people would come alongside. If only I had the breaks that he had. Or do you look at it and you say, you know, my glass is half full and I'm on the way to getting it topped off. And God is going to use this situation somehow to top off my glass. That's how Joseph viewed his life. That's how Paul viewed his life. Paul, in his own assessment, looked at his life and he said, Man, I'm the worst. He goes, you guys think that you messed up? Dude, I'm the worst. I, I, I pursued Christians. I, I hunted down the church. I put some of them to death. 
I threw him in prison. He said, I am the worst of sinners. And yet he said, but by God's grace, I am what I am. And by God's grace, he took this vessel and he's used me to bring forth the gospel. That's what God does. That's how Paul viewed his life. And that's why he could write Romans 8, 28, where he says, God works all things to the good. Let me just pause there. Do you believe that? Do you have struggles in your life right now? Has someone overlooked you? you? You sense in your heart you want to do something great, but has someone just taken the knife and shoved it in your side and you feel only half alive at the moment? Has the one that you trusted the most or the one that you trusted in life, have they betrayed you? Do you feel like you've been overlooked? I want you to know God has never betrayed you. God has never overlooked you. God has never given up. He is the God who makes all things work together for the good of them who love him and who are called according to his purposes. I hope that you can receive that this morning. If you only receive one thing, I hope you receive that. That he can take your present situation and transform it so that you will look back in the days ahead. You will look back and you'll say, you know, that was a painful time. The devil meant pain for me. That person meant that they intended pain and evil and hurt towards me. But God, you turned it towards good. I can tell you that, and I've mentioned this before, that I, when I had cancer when I was younger. and Man, I look back, or during those days, I was asking God, God, please heal me. God, please heal me. And no supernatural healing ever came. There was no answer. I'm praying, God, please heal me. God, please heal me. No voice. No anything. At the very beginning, God did speak to me. He told me he wasn't going to let me die. But after that, pretty much silence. Have you ever felt that way? You're in the middle of something. God, please show me the way. God, what direction should I take? Should I go right or should I go left? Have you ever felt that way? And heaven is silent. You're not alone. He didn't speak to Abraham for 13 years. Paul cried out on a boat. Now there's the ship again. He was on a ship in a storm. He cried out. You're not alone. God's with us. And he brings all things about that he has purposed and that he has promised. Foolishness in the past cannot stop God's purpose. Others wronging you cannot stop God's purpose. The failures of others cannot stop God's purpose. They cannot. Why? Because Jesus is a redeeming Jesus. That means he takes that which is broken and he purchases it and he makes it good again and he sends it on its way. That's the kind of God we serve. That's what he's doing with each of us. I just sense this word right now in my spirit. There are some shattered dreams here. We serve a God who takes shattered dreams and redeems them. 
You might feel too old. You know what? Let me read you this thing here real quick. I wasn't planning on this, but I think you guys will like this. Check this out. You guys ever heard of Kentucky Fried Chicken? You ever heard of Colonel Sanders? Listen to this. This is Colonel Sanders, right? You know, the guy with the white hair and the white little beard there? Listen to this. At age five, his father died. At age 16, he quit school. At age 17, he had already lost four jobs. By the age of 18, he got married. Between ages 18 and 22, he was a railroad conductor, and he failed at that. He joined the Army, and he washed out of the Army. He applied for law school, but he was rejected. He became an insurance salesman and failed again. At the age of 19, he became a father, and at the age of 20, his wife left him and took their baby daughter. He became a cook and a dishwater, dishwasher in a small cafe. He failed in an attempt to kidnap his own daughter. And eventually, he convinced his wife to return home. Finally, at the age of 65, he retired. On the first day of retirement, this is at age 65, he received a check from the government for $105. He felt that the government was saying that he couldn't provide for himself. And so he decided to commit suicide. Life wasn't worth living anymore. He had failed so many times. He sat under a tree writing out his will. But instead, he began to write, what he would have accomplished with his life if things had gone right. While writing the letter, he realized there was much more that he had not yet done. There was one thing he could do better than anyone he knew, and that was how to cook. And so he borrowed $87 against his government check, and he bought and fried up some chicken using his recipe, and he went door to door to sell them to his neighbors in Kentucky. Remember, at age 65, he was ready to commit suicide. But at age 88, Colonel Sanders, founder of KFC, was a billionaire. There's no one too old in this room. Joshua was 80. Caleb was 80. And yet they took another mountain for the Lord. I believe that the Lord wanted me to come and speak to you this morning simply because there are many here with seeds of greatness in your life. Many of you, you know you've been called to something great. You can sense it. You don't know what it is. Others, you know what it is, but you feel so far from where, it at, where, where God wants you to get to or the great thing he wants you to accomplish. And I believe he sent me here to simply say this. Listen, there are many great men and women of God who have sat in the same chair you're sitting in. And they have sat there somewhere along the journey in the middle of it. And they're like, God, I, I know you have something great, but how do I get there? And God wants you to know he's a God of providence. And he takes every situation and he works it for your good and for his glory. And he will bring it about. I'm wrapping up with this. I just want to answer three questions. Why, when, and what? Why did God allow things to happen in your life? Well, in Joseph's life, it was to teach him integrity or to prove integrity, right? When he was in Potiphar's house with Potiphar's wife. It taught him to trust God. So instead of thinking he was great, he stood before Pharaoh and says, I can't do this, but my God can. When we go through tough times like that, it teaches us to give God the glory. Because finally, when you do end up over here at the end of your life, you look back and you say, you know what? There's no way any of that would have happened by my own smarts or my own strength. It's only by the glory of God. 
and God gets the glory. Sometimes he allows us to go through things like that for the salvation of many others. That was Joseph's conclusion at the end of his life. Genesis 50, verse 20. He said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We do not know what our current dark times are actually bringing about for the kingdom. I can tell you in the middle of cancer, it was dark days for me. But you know, if I had never gone through that, I would not have had the open door I had on Wednesday night. I was able to sit with a man. He's a millionaire. He owns a multiple businesses. We were having dinner. He's got stage four cancer. And he has no answers. And I was able to share my testimony with him and share with him what, what purposes God has for us and, and, and the certainty of the future we have in the age to come. And he said, oh, I wish I had your certainty. I said, you can. You can have it. Do you know what opened that door? The fact that I had stage four cancer a lot of years ago, 30 years ago. It opened a door that this man was able to listen. He's like, he, he knows what I'm going through. I'll listen to what he's saying. You don't know what your dark days are actually bringing about in the future. But for the man or woman of God, it will result in the advancement of his kingdom. Some say, why? Why does God allow this stuff? In another place in scripture, it says we just don't know. He said that he, the, Moses said this, the hidden things belong to God. The revealed things belong to man. There are those things that I know about, having gone through my cancer, that I know about. Okay, those belong to me. There are still questions that I have about it. And you know what? The Bible says the hidden things belong to God. And the man or woman who will trust God can just say, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand why that tragedy came about, but I trust you. I trust my life into the hands of a God of providence. So why does it happen? I don't know. A little illustration, I think I've shared it here before, but it's helped me with this. Imagine you're playing a game of chess. But instead of you playing, God's actually playing it. Or maybe there's this really wise chess player who's playing it. And, and they're playing and there's the enemy and all of a sudden, all of a sudden he sacrifices his knight. And, and you're standing there and you're saying, why don't you sacrifice your knight? That's crazy. No, no, don't do that. And this wise chess player, the champion of the world, he'd probably look at me and say, son, I'm 10 steps ahead of you. I, if I tried to explain to you all my moves and the counter moves of the enemy, you, you wouldn't even understand it. Will you just trust me? Well, I don't know why you would sacrifice your knight. Can you trust me? I have won the championship of chess for the last 10 years. Can you just trust me? I'd be an idiot to say, no, I don't trust you. Tell me why you sac. I'd be an idiot, wouldn't I? A wise young man would simply say, I trust you. And he would boop, 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 boop and he'd win the game. God wins the game. He wins the game of your life. He wins the game of the world. We're not pawns. That, that's where that, that illustration breaks down. But he is the wise God who is providential. When? God, when will you bring me through there? Oh, I have a long answer on this one. I have no idea. He usually doesn't answer when. What should I do? Do what Joseph did. Be faithful where you're at currently. Where are you? 
I believe that God providentially places people. I will say that I found myself in a situation years ago. And I believe, and I was crying out to God, God, what do you want me to do? I'm right here, and heaven was silent. And only one time did God speak to me about that question. And you know what he said? Stay put. Man, I didn't want to stay put. Stay put. Stay put? Really? Ah. I'm not getting anywhere staying put here. What a waste of time. I'm going to waste years. God said, stay put. Stay put. God's a God of providence. I don't believe we should ever go from here to there unless the God of providence tells us to or you know, it's one of those things where you're standing on the board and the board gives way and you go sliding down into the water. If that happens, what, what do they call the thing? When you throw the thing and you sitting on a seat and you fall down into the water. What's that called? Dunking booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you're on a dunking booth and something happens in life and you end up in the water, okay. Go into the water. God's a God of providence. He providentially places people where they are. Continue to be faithful, just like Joseph did. Joseph was faithful in Potiphar's house, faithful in the dungeon, and therefore he was faithful when he was put in charge of Egypt. Do what, they, do what Joseph did. Lastly, he believed that God was working all things to the good. He believed God was working all things to the good. I believe that. That God in this room has placed seeds of greatness in everyone's heart. Some of you know it. I believe there are some here. Let's all stand. I believe there are some here, and as I've been speaking, you've been thinking in your heart. And I think... I don't know, I especially have young people on my heart for this one, for this particular thing. I believe there are young people here. You don't know what it is God's called you to, but man, you want to do something great. And as I've been speaking, you've been thinking in your own heart, and your, your heart is burning. And you're thinking, man, I, I know I'm called to do something great. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get there. But I know God's called me to greatness. He has. There's greatness in this room. There is greatness in this room. There's greatness amongst the young people in this room. There are young people in this room who's, whom God has put his hand on your life and he has called you to do something great. Way beyond your ability. Way beyond what you think you could do. Maybe your heart is burning like that. You think, God, that's me. That's me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will help you to do what Joseph did. That you will continue to be faithful. If you're in school, you know, when I was in school, in college, man, I hated it. I got into a degree. It was aerospace engineering. I got into it three years, and I thought, what the heck am I doing in aerospace engineering? It was like the math was like way over my head, the engineering. You know what God spoke to me? He said, you be faithful in this. This is your proving ground. I'll trust you with more. If you're a young person in school, be faithful in school. Because if God can trust you with turning in your math homework, he can trust you with running St. Louis City. It's true. Faithful in a little trusted with much. Be faithful. Parents, you can all give me a tip on the way out.
I believe there's others here. And as I've been speaking, you know that God has called you to something great. You don't maybe see it totally clearly, but you know that there's something you're, you're to be doing. But where you presently find yourself seems so far from what in your heart you sense God is calling to you, you to. And I want to pray for you in a minute. I want to pray that in these days ahead, that God would begin to shed light on the destiny and the purpose that he has for you to be doing in these days. And I'm going to pray that God helps you to remain content and faithful where you currently are. And I'm going to pray that God would help you to see every situation as a glass half full. That he would help you to see every situation, that he is a God of providence, utilizing every one of those situations to bring about his kingdom purposes. The last group, um, I just want to ask everyone, if you would just close your eyes, I'm going to pray right now. I want everybody's eyes closed and just relax before the Lord. I want you to cast your thoughts upon the Lord. Cast your thoughts upon the fact that you are the pearl of great prize in his eyes. And he has placed his hand on you and he's put his seeds of greatness in you. And he has called you to do great things for him. But just for my own self as I pray, if, if you're in that first group, if you have been here this morning and, and you're hearing about having a destiny in the Lord, having, having been called to something great, Maybe you don't know what it is, but you're like, ah, that's me. I, I know I've been called to something. I don't know what it is, but man, I want to do something great in life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who you are. Because I want to pray as I'm praying in my heart. I want to pray for people specifically. Just raise your hand and keep it up just for a minute. No one's looking. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Excellent. Excellent. You can put your hand down. If you're here and you know that God's called you to something great, maybe you have an idea what it is, but you currently feel like you're so far from it. It's like, how do you, like, what do you do next? Like, how do you get there? If that's you, if, if you identify with Joseph and maybe you feel like you're in Potiphar's house or you're in the dungeon or, or you're just somewhere out in the desert and what the heck are you doing there? And, but you know that God's with you but you, you're just reaching to God to see him fulfill that destiny. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to know who that is so I can be praying for you. Yeah. Awesome. You can put your hand down. The third group, maybe you're here today and you don't know this God. You've heard about some stories of God using people and you don't know him. Maybe you've discounted yourself because you look in your past and, man, you just screwed up. Maybe you're here and you're just weighted down with guilt. You think, I don't know this God. I, I am not right with God. I'm not walking with God. I, I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm backing up. I, but I would, I would love to know him. I, I want to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. I, I want him to use my life in a great way. And if that's you, no one's looking. Would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know if there's anyone here like that. I want to pray for you today. 
Anyone here like that? Excellent. Excellent. Well, God, we come to you this morning. Father, we stand before you. Lord, I believe that this is that community of men and women. That I am amongst that generation that you were raising up. Who will sell everything to you. Who will labor not for our name or our glory or our own kingdom, but for you, God. So, Father, I pray for each of these people, Lord, in this room. Lord, for those who their heart is burning because they want to do something great for you. We hear about this man, A.W. Milne, did something great for you. We hear about this man, Ben, ben Cools, who is doing that thing with Hope for Justice. We hear about others who are doing great things. God, use, use me. Father, I pray for those people right now, Lord. Those who are reaching to you right now saying, use me, God. I want to do something. I know you've called me to great, great greatness. Use me, God. Father, I pray that you would put your hand on their life right now, Lord, in a very real way. Lord, that they would sense your hand upon their life. And that they would be convinced in their soul that you see them. And that your hand is on them. And that you have destined them for greatness, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would help them like Joseph to be faithful in these days, Lord. Whether they find themselves in school or working in the home or working in the workplace. That they would, that they would find themselves to be faithful before you. Help them, God, to grow in faithfulness, Lord. Help them to know your voice, Lord, and to hear you, God. God, help them to see every situation in their life as the hand of God moving them forward into your eternal purposes. Lord, for everyone here, Lord, of us who, God, we know that you've put greatness in our hearts, but God, some of us, we feel like we're in a desert. We feel, Lord, like we are in over our heads. God, you've called us to something and we say, who are we? How could we do that, Lord? What resource do we have? What talent do we have? Help them, Lord. Father, I know that you have destined to use them to bring about some great thing through that adventure. You have destined to use them to see people come to know you. God, I know that your hand is upon these people, Lord. To walk in life in a supernatural way. So God, those who are lacking resource, Father, I join my faith with their faith and I say, God, would you, pre would you provide the resource that is needed? That resource that they are reaching out to you, Lord, would you provide it? Lord, for those who feel so underqualified to pursue that thing that you're calling them to. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would infuse courage into their heart, Lord, that they would take courage knowing that you're with them. And Lord, for those who feel like they know you've called you to do something great, but they don't know the next step, Lord, would you show them the next step? Lord, I know you sent me here to bring this word. Therefore, Holy Spirit, I ask you to respond in the heart of every person according to your will, that your providential will will be brought about in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's all. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.